Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. Week four is almost in the books. It's hard to believe a quarter of the season is almost done. I am Jeff Hartman, one of your hosts for the Fans First Football Show. And joining me as always, Rob Stats Guerrero, the 49ers guy. He wears that damn shirt every freaking week because it's a victory Monday for him. It just seems like it never ends. Rob, what's up? Oh, what's up is 14 straight <laughs> regular season victories. That's what's up. You're right. I'm breaking out this shirt. You better believe it. <laughs> I would too. I wish I could, but I can't because as a Steeler fan, that's not an option after you look like complete dog crap on Sunday. <laughs> Nonetheless, what we do here every Monday is we break down Sunday's action. You know, if you're listening, you're like, what about Thursday night? We're not talking about Thursday night. What about Monday night? We might preview that a little bit. This is about Sunday, the game action on Sunday. And it started early in week four with the overseas international series, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Atlanta Falcons, the game ended up being kind of bleh, 23 to 7. But Rob, I got to ask you, everyone's talking about the Toy Story game. Like everyone's bringing up this Toy Story. I've got my opinions. I want to get yours first. What, were you, what was your take? Oh, that was the most memorable part of this game. I feel like we all keep waiting <laughs> for Trevor Lawrence to like make this leap. And he just isn't right now. 23 of 30 for 207 yards, had a touchdown. It's fine. But the Toy Story broadcast was the story of the game. And I'll say this. How can we do? This Toy Story broadcast where the game, every player has a chip in their jersey and the game is being turned into a video game in real time. And we are still measuring first downs with two sticks and a chain. Like, it's yeah. absurd to me that that's where we are. But I dig the Toy Story broadcast. I have an eight-year-old son. He loved the Toy Story broadcast. I think the NFL is smart to do stuff like this to help hook in younger fans. And I think we're going to see more of it. I saw your I saw you have that take on Twitter during the game when I was I was just scanning my feed and I was watching some clips. You know, it's crazy when you look at other sports. Like you bring up the fact that they had these chips in their shoulder pads and all this stuff. Like look at tennis is a perfect example. I mean, tennis, when it comes to challenging a in or out call, what do they do? 
boom, they look up on the screen. It is almost simultaneous, like, oh, that hit the line, it's in. And here we have in the NFL, you've got these old geriatric men holding chains on the side with, I'll never forget the uh, the card. I think that was Gene's territory yes. who came out with the, the index card to see if it hit the... <laughs> they don't even have two sets of chains. No. Sometimes you have to run from the opposite sideline to bring... Yeah. It's insane. It's ridiculous. We have the technology. There's already a chip in the ball, I think. Like, what are we, what are we doing? It's just intentional stupidity from the league. But to get back to the game, uh, Desmond Ritter stinks. He <laughs> I said it last week. The Falcons are less than the sum of their parts. Like yes, you can't yeah. have all these people just struggling. Does Kyle Pitts play in the league? I don't know. And he's great, but he's a ghost on Sundays for so many weeks. You've got to get somebody else in there other than Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. There's this collection of teams. The Atlanta Falcons are one. My team, the Pittsburgh Steelers are another. I could possibly lump the New England Patriots into this as well, who think that this is still like the early 2000s and you can win in a certain fashion, which as we've seen throughout the past even decade, the game has evolved. And if you can't move the ball offensively, you're not going to win, at least not when it means the most. The Atlanta Falcons would fall into that category. And it's it's a shame. Hey, this is a Jaguars team that's coming off of the loss to the Houston Texans. They go overseas. They, sh they should be comfortable over there <laughs> because they yeah. play a lot of games overseas and they find a way to win. So good on them. Let's move on to the next game. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, as I hate to say this, they go down to Houston and boy, did they get boat raced? I mean, it wasn't even close. The 30 to six final score is not even indicative of what this game was really like. Uh, D'Amico Ryan decides to go for it on a fourth down does not. They could have added points there, even if it was just a field goal. This game was an abomination. I, I swear it set football back like 10 years. If you watched it, <laughs> like it was awful. There's nothing good to come out of this game. Kenny Pickett leaves with an injury. They're saying is not an ACL could be an MCL. He's going to miss likely two to three weeks. They have a bye after this upcoming week five game. The Houston Texans are the story here. I mean, some people will say the Steelers, I get it. I'm a Steelers fan. The Houston Texans, which again, the San Francisco 49ers, good lord, that that coaching tree just it just never ends. Offensive coordinator, first year play caller, first year quarterback, first year head coach, D'Amico Ryan's. Boy, were they buttoned up to put it in coach speak. They did a great job. What do you think about this game, Rob? Well, Kyle Shanahan said that D'Amico Ryan's was going to be a head coach when he hired him as a defensive coordinator. So it's not a surprise to Shanahan. And look, he's got them playing well right now. CJ Stroud has thrown for the second most yards by a rookie in his first four games in NFL history. Yeah. Better than anybody except Cam Newton. That's how good CJ Stroud is playing right now. Their defense for Houston is intense. They can rush the passer a little bit. He's got them rolling right now. And we all kind of thought Houston was just kind of, you know, going to take it on the chin this year, but they don't roll over. They, they are here to play and they look good right now. In, in all facets, too. I mean, you're talking about a, a Houston Texans offensive line that literally had, it was patchwork, missing both tackles. They've got Kendrick Green, the cast off from the Steelers starting at left guard, didn't mm -hmm. give up a sack. The Steelers only had six quarterback hits. We're talking TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith never even got CJ Stroud to the ground. You have to give credit where credit is due. I think Houston is going to be a team that is definitely in the mix in the AFC South with when you look at that division as a whole. I completely agree with you. I mean, right now, I think C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in the division. He's playing the best right now. He's certainly playing better than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So the Houston Texans win their second game in a row. 
They moved their record to two and two, and they're still very much alive. Like you said, everyone thought they were going to tank. I think the game that a lot of people were really anxious to watch on Sunday. I know I was very upset that this was a one o'clock kickoff because the Steelers played at the same time. Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills. Miami had just hung a 70 spot on Denver. And everyone's thinking this is going to be a game for the ages, which it kind of could have been. But the Bills, boy, their defense stood tall. Miami's defense, not so much. Bills win 48 to 20. Josh Allen had himself a game. What do you think about this one, Rob? I agree with you. This And it started out exactly like we hoped, right? The first five possessions of the game ended in touchdowns. Touchdown, yeah. Bills, then Dolphins responded, then the Bills. and the It was a slugfest, right? They're standing in the middle of the ring throwing haymakers at one another. And when you have Josh Allen, a quarterback, you're never going to run out of it. You're, you're always going to have another punch to throw. He is absolutely lighting it up right now. 21 of 25 for 320 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions by Josh Allen. Also had a touchdown running as well. When he's on and he doesn't have that self-destruct mechanism switched on, he's a force offensively. And the Bills, I think they made an absolute statement. Everybody was sniffing Miami when they had that big game against Denver, who stinks. And the Bills just made a statement like, hey, this is still our division. It's going through us. We're the big brother. You're the little brother, Mike McDaniel. This was there was a point in the second half. I saw this stat come across my Twitter feed that Josh Allen had more touchdowns and incompletions. Like it, it was <laughs> remarkable. I mean, he was he was. Uh, this is what you expect from Josh Allen. But what is it about Josh Allen? It's the ups and downs. It's like you know the the ebbs and flows of his game. Yep. He has the week one dud against division rival and at the New York Jets but then comes back and has this tremendous game against the Dolphins. Consistency is king in the National Football League. I don't think this is the end for Miami. I just think they got knocked off their high horse. I don't know who they have coming up on their schedule, but Miami is still a really good team. They've got to figure it out. they got to get themselves up off the mat. I know they've got a date with your 49ers coming up, don't they? No, the 49ers played them last year. That was Brock's when Brock had to come in cold off the bench, and they whooped them, by the way. (laughs) Miami has the Giants next week on Sunday, so they should be able to right the ship. But, you know, Vic Fangio, he was supposed to come in and and really stabilize that defense and really, you know, be one of the final pieces of Miami's championship puzzle in addition to keeping Tua Tungavailoa healthy. And his defense has not been amazing. Obviously, they gave up the 48 points. They gave up 20 to Denver, but Denver stinks. They gave up 17 to New England. They gave up 34 to the Chargers. Like, it's not exactly what they thought it was going to be so far. You you can't outscore everyone. Eventually, your defense is going to have to make a stop. Hey, the Bills, like you said, big brother. They they proved it in the AFC East. Let's go to the game that I I think a lot of people were just saying, which team is going to maybe find a way to win? The Broncos and Bears, two really bad teams going head-to-head. The Bears told Chase Claypool to stay home. Justin Fields actually looks like he actually had a better game statistically, but they can't find a way to win. The Broncos, 31, Bears, 28. This was a stinker. Uh, it was competitive, but uh, in terms of overall, the, 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 the optics of it just wasn't that great. Rob, what do you think about this game? When you're up 28 to 7, like Justin Fields was in this game, you have to win the game. You just have to win the game. I don't understand how you, and especially losing to this team, Denver stinks and I what happened like 
you go up 28 to seven. And then after that, the bears went punt, fumble, touchdown, turnover on downs, interception. And it's frustrating because Justin Fields looked so much better early on. And then it just completely evaporated for them. And you know, it, it really left a sour taste in your mouth. If you're the Bears, you could have been like, yeah, I know it was against the Broncos, but he started to look better. They said they were going to have, you know, like a better offensive plan. You really thought that this was something that maybe you could have built on. And instead, it's just completely deflating. It, yeah, I don't even know where the Bears go at this point. It, this is a situation where I know it's only been four games. They haven't won a game yet. You look at the organization, it just is kind of in, in disarray. You know, I mean, whether you're talking about the defensive coordinator being forced to resign, someone breaking into how I, their their area, their stadium or whatever, and stealing equipment. You've got Chase Claypool now. You've got Justin Fields who can't find a way to win a game. It's bad. But on the same time, you, you talk about the Broncos who desperately needed a win. They desperately needed yes. something with Sean Payton as the head coach. Russell Wilson has had hardly any, hasn't had anything to really talk about as in a positive light. They find a way to win 31 to 28. I don't think anyone's expecting much of either one of these teams. But like you said, the Bears at least could have said, let's hang our hat on this one. It wasn't pretty. Yes, the Broncos are the Broncos. But at the same time, find a way to lose. And that's a gut punch for that organization for sure. Let's go to the AFC North matchup that a lot of people were excited to watch. The, this was not a banner day for the AFC North. Let's just put it that way. The, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Baltimore Ravens go in and absolutely shellac the Browns 28 to three. You talk about a team that's up and down. Look at the Cleveland Browns as a good example. You know, they, they just beat Tennessee handily the week before Baltimore loses to Indianapolis Colts in overtime the week prior Ravens go on the road, handle their business. Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things, mainly with his legs kind of looks like the Greg Roman offense is sneaking its way back into the uh, mix with the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. But nonetheless, 28 points is 28 points. And that defense for Baltimore is a lot better than a lot of people thought it was going to be holding the Browns to only three points. Rob, what's your take on this? Well, I think it helped that Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, was quarterbacking for the Browns and not Deshaun Jackson. Not that Deshaun Jackson has been, you know, a stud by any stretch of the imagination, but Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, first start, three interceptions, not good. But Baltimore just continues to find a way to get it done. Missing two receivers in the game, missing your starting left tackle, your starting right tackle got hurt in the game. Your secondary had a couple of guys go down and you still put up 28 points on a division foe. And I give Baltimore a lot of credit because they have wins over the Bengals. Now they have a win over the Browns. They get the Steelers coming up. They could potentially have three wins in the division. And I still think that this is a team that's kind of figuring things out offensively with their new system. Like you mentioned, Todd Monken taking over for Greg Roman. If you can get wins while you're figuring stuff out, to me, that's a sign of a really good team. And uh, it's it's good to be a Raven right now, even though they are banged up. Yeah, and I should have I should have led into this game with Deshaun Watson not playing uh, because really without Nick Chubb, without that running game, then you lose your quarterback and it's kind of a death knell. And I think a lot of Browns fans, probably when they saw that Deshaun Watson was not going to play, they, they have a buy coming up. They're saying that Deshaun Watson will be able to return. I believe they play San Francisco coming off the buy. Yep. Not a hundred percent sure on that, but still the Baltimore Ravens. I think, like you said, they are ravished with injury. I mean, you go back to even the players that have been put on IR, like J.K. Dobbins, who was lost. Gus Edwards has been in and out of the lineup. They're finding a way to get it done. 
this is a, this was a big win for the Baltimore Ravens, and now they get ready for a week at Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett's not going to play. The Steelers are 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 beaten up right now. They have a lot of injuries themselves, so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays itself out. I know the Steelers and Ravens games are always tough, but the Ravens find a way to beat the Browns on the road. Like you said, division games are important. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings were in desperate need of a win. They go and beat the Carolina Panthers 21 to 13. The Minnesota Vikings are an odd team for me. You know, I'm following on Twitter and I'm seeing that Justin Jefferson is putting on his Instagram story that Kirk Cousins is his ass and stuff. I don't, I don't know what's going you on. Did? Over there. I didn't see that. Didn't, unless someone totally made that up, but I saw it from a reputable source. I'm like, really? He's saying this stuff? I don't know. The Vikings needed a win and they found a way. Uh, Kirk Cousins, not the best day. Carolina Panthers, not the best team. Was this a get right game for Minnesota? I'll say this about Kirk Cousins, man. I, he's like one of those wacky, waving, inflatable, arm flailing tube men. No matter what happens, he just comes right back. He pops up early in this game. Cousins throws a 99 yard pick six. And on the return, first of all, on the return, down the sideline, the player is running on for Carolina. It says something like intercept cancer or something like that, which is just hilarious because it's an interception return. And Kirk Cousins gets absolutely obliterated by a blocker. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you're like, here we go. The Vikings, Cousins. And he just keeps coming back and battling ugly. I mean, 12 of 19 on the day for only 139 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. But the Vikings find a way to get it done. And Cousins just like, no matter what happens in the game, you never see Kirk Cousins like get deflated and just fold up shop. He just doesn't do it. And I got to give him credit for that. He is. He, I, I love the uh, analogy of the wacky tube guy that's just kind of up and down. He always gets bad. I did see that play where he did get absolutely trucked on that return. Like it, he good. ran all that way just to get obliterated. Like you could have just stopped and let him go. And right. you would have saved yourself not only the humiliation, but also the physical punishment of having that happen. But the Vikings, again, they, they needed to win a game. If they were going to stay relevant in the NFC North, in the NFC in general, you can't lose to the Carolina Panthers, and they didn't. Now, the Carolina Panthers in and of itself are, are again, in rebuild mode. We knew this. But at the same time, when you talk about, I compare like the Houston Texans to the Carolina Panthers. So here you have the Houston Texans. I feel like they're in rebuild mode as well. Rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, and they're finding a way to stay competitive, winning games. The Panthers really can't say that. And this is tough. This is a tough spot for Bryce Young, tough spot for the new head coach. What are your thoughts on the Panthers? This is typically what we see, right? When you're in a position to draft a quarterback high and you've got a first time or a new head coach, I should say, and Frank Reich, like we kind of thought that this is how teams with young quarterbacks were going to go. You, you kind of have to take it on the chin for a year usually. And that's okay if you're the Panthers. All this year is about is figuring out if you have something in Bryce Young. And if you do, him just learning what it's like in the NFL, learning to be a professional, all of that stuff. That's okay. If that's the only thing you gain out of this year, that's okay. Uh, it's just you do have to kind of grit your teeth and bear it for a year, and you'll get a high draft pick, and you know, hopefully you can build off of this. But this is going to be a long year for Carolina. Absolutely is. A game that was mildly but actually pretty entertaining was the L.A. Rams versus the Indianapolis Colts. The Rams find a way to win in overtime, 29 to 23. Anthony Richardson did return to the game for Indianapolis. He just provides an interesting dynamic. 
He's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination, but still they send it to overtime. The Colts second straight overtime game. They lose this one 29 to 23. You were probably watching this closely as an NFC West guy. What are yes. your thoughts on the Rams win? This was a weird Sunday. We saw a lot of teams blow leads. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Rams were up 23, nothing in the game. And the Colts come all the way back and force this thing into overtime. You know, I was just talking about the Panthers and how it's a learning experience. This is a, I mean, Anthony Richardson, for him to come back, that is a great learning experience. I know the yeah. Colts didn't win, but still, that, that's got to be super encouraging if you're a Colts fan. And for the Rams, look, Sean McVay did not forget how to coach just because they were bad last year. Stafford was banged up last year. He's healthy this year. Matt Stafford is still really, really good. And Puka Nakua is unbelievable. He is yeah. unbelievable right now. He has more catches in his first four games than anybody in history. He has 39 catches in four games. Caught his first touchdown in this one for the win, which uh, there was a blown coverage by the Colts. Of course, Sean McVay gets his number one target wide open because that's what Sean McVay does. And the Rams just, you know, didn't panic. They responded when they needed to. They could have just, you know, freaked out because they blew this huge lead and they didn't do it. They got the ball first in overtime, 75-yard drive game over it's crazy when you realize that like a cooper cup is on injured reserve and no one is like saying oh my gosh the rams are without cooper cup he he's going to be back and think about this offense when you add him into the mix it's going to be a pretty good offense be able to move the ball through the air give matthew stafford another legitimate weapon on the outside i think we all kind of thought the rams were just going to be a dumpster fire this year that they were not really going to be super competitive they might not make the playoffs. They might not be an actual contender for the Super Bowl, but they're they're a hell of a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And you know what? Maybe I didn't give McVay the credit I should, and maybe I didn't see things from that lens. But, you know, the Rams find a way to win. They stay relevant in that division. The Colts, like you said, it's going to be a learning curve. And I think Anthony Richardson, there's a lot of bright spots with him uh, just in general as he progresses through his rookie season. A game I didn't see coming coming was an NFC South matchup, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Saints. The Buccaneers, they're coming off their first loss. The Saints, Derek Carr's banged up, shoulders a mess. Uh, you know, they're coming off of a really awful loss in Green Bay last week, but they blew a 17-point lead. The Buccaneers rebound in a big way. They win 26-9. to That's a huge division win for Tampa Bay. What's the bigger story for you, the Buccaneers or the Saints only putting up nine? Well, I didn't understand like what the Saints are doing because all week we kind of thought that, okay, Carr's probably not going to play in this one. They'll go with Jameis Winston. You know, you've got a number one overall pick as your backup. Like, all right, you know. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, Derek Carr is going to play. And you're just sitting there. You're like, why? Like, what is the, what is the purpose? Why are you forcing Carr out on the field? It's not like he's so much better than Jameis Winston, if he's even better at all, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm really surprised that the Saints decided to go that way, but I want to give the Bucks credit. I thought the Bucs were going to be a tire fire. Like in the preseason, I'm watching videos of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, and they're like missing receivers and bouncing the ball and all sorts of terrible stuff. But the Bucs have talent. Baker's getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Chris Godwin, eight catches for 114 yards. I know that Mike Evans got a little banged up, but the Bucs are taking control of that division and good on Tampa Bay. It's it's crazy because I thought it was going to be the Saints division to lose, and maybe they are based on injuries. They did get Alvin Kamara back. Mm -hmm. and it was his first game back. I think they kind of had him on a pitch count. His numbers were pretty pedestrian. I don't think he hit pay dirt at all, but still, 
this <clears throat> the Saints now have to look them look at themselves in the mirror, losing two in a row. They're two and two, and they got to get themselves going because ultimately the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe they're three and one at this point. That's a big win. Those division wins are huge. Tampa Bay wins 26 to nine. Now let's go to the NFC East, a really entertaining game that I did not see coming. You know, when you look at the slate of games, you're kind of like, well, this game could be a, this game could get ugly early. And that's the Washington commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles, a back and forth affair, unbelievably entertaining end to the game to send it to overtime with Sam Howe driving the commanders down the field, throwing a touchdown. Uh, I think it was to Dotson for the yep. game tying score. Everyone thought Riverboat Rom was going to go for two. He didn't. He said his offense was too tired. I'm not trying to buy that excuse. Dude, for one more play, Ron, yeah. with the game on the line. Really? <laughs> so they're too tired. So you thought, let's go to overtime like, yeah. and play more football. Yep. Nonetheless, he kicks the extra point. They go to overtime. The Eagles end up winning it 34 to 31. Uh, this was, a, a again, a really entertaining football game. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm not feeling great after this win. And this isn't to say that Washington is awful. I think it's to me, it's just one of those where the Eagles defense is still trying to find what they do best and how to lean on it. They lost both coordinators. And you said, hey, going through this transition with a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, if you can find ways to win, it's a good thing. At what point does it come become a concern, though, if you continue to win like in this ugly fashion? What do you think? When they lose. <laughs> if you win this Super Bowl by one point, you still get the That's trophy, true. right? That I, is I true. Just, I agree with you that like you would like to see them because they have good personnel, but they've got a lot. They replaced seven starters on defense this yeah. year. So, like that, that's not nothing. They've got a lot of young players, so there's going to be a learning curve. And this wasn't like one team jumps out to a huge lead and then another team storms back. Like you said, this was just a back and forth battle. And I think Ron Rivera just totally screwed the pooch. Like, and I had so much respect for Ron Rivera when he became the coach in Washington. I called him the adult in the room. You know, I really thought he was going to stabilize that team. And I know there's been craziness with ownership there. I get that. But his on-field decision-making is bad. To not go for two in this game, you've just come down. There was one second left in the game. You throw the touchdown pass. Everybody's freaking out, right? Like, you're in a position. You've got the Eagles staggered a little bit, right? They're in the ring. They're staggered a little bit. And instead of throwing one more punch to knock them out, you don't do it. And then the bell rings, the round ends, and everybody gets to regroup for overtime. And what happened in overtime? The Eagles find a way to get it done because they're the better team. If you're the least, the less talented team, you go for two right there. One play from the two-yard line for with the game on the line for the win. Why would you stop? Why would you ever not go for that? To me, I thought it was a huge mistake by Ron Rivera. Now, some people that have a, a, any type of platform will say this is a damned if you do and damned if you don't scenario. I completely disagree with that because ultimately, if I'm a commanders fan, I root for the Washington football organization and I'm watching Sam Howell drive down and, and tie the and almost tie the game. You know, yep. obviously you have an extra point away from tying. I'm saying go for it, because if you give the ball back to Philadelphia you know what they, they can do. They've done it all game. It's just been back and forth. They're scoring at a ridiculous clip. So go for it. Like, what well, if you're going to lose, you might as well go down under your terms and say, let's go for the freaking win. Ron Rivera is going to be, he's going to be questioned about this as he should. I'm, I, I, gosh darn it. I just, every time I see coaches make these decisions, it, it gives me like the, it's just a really weird feeling. I hate it. Like, just go for it. Go for the jugular. Like you said, take they're a punch. so, 
risk averse. Ron Rivera was terrified of you have this great moment where you go down the field, you score the touchdown. Yes. And then he didn't want to lose the moment, right? He didn't want to lose that momentum of like, hey, this could potentially be a great moment. We just tied it up and then not make the two-point conversion and then lose the game. But you can't look at it from a position of fear, from a position of what if we don't get it? Look at it from a position of let's go win the game. And what's more likely? And I don't understand why coaches don't get this. What is more likely if you are Washington? One, executing the point after touchdown properly. Then going to overtime, potentially not getting the ball first in overtime, stopping the Eagles, getting the ball back, driving all the way down the field and getting points yourself, or gaining two yards and getting the two-point conversion. Like, I, yeah. how are those two things? That it's just The comparison there is absurd to me. Huge mistake by Washington, especially on the road. I, I, I would be infuriated if I was a commander. Yeah, because on the... It's playing not to win is what is yes. what I see. it. It's playing not to win. You're not going out there trying to win the game. You're just trying not to lose. And you end up losing anyways. So it's just salt in the wind. Riverboat Ron, my ass. It's been a while since we've seen Riverboat Ron, in my opinion, uh, at least in Washington. Let's go to a game that was not entertaining, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals who continued to struggle. I mean, this is Joe Burrow injury or not. Like, this is a problem. They lose to the Tennessee Titans 27-3. to You've got Jamar Chase after the game saying, I'm always effing open. <laughs> and I know Joe Burrow's not right, but my gosh, just get me the ball. This thing is turning south and sideways in a really bad way for Cincinnati, who's one and three. This is an AFC loss, not a division loss, but still, my gosh, Tennessee 27 to three. Did not see this one coming at all. Rob, what's going on with the Bengals? I don't know. I mean, Tennessee had 94 total yards last week against Cleveland. And they scored 27 unanswered points in this game. It's a disaster right now for Cincinnati. And I know that, like you said, Joe Burrow's been banged up. But clearly, you've got infighting on that offense or frustration on that offense. And Joe Burrow is so limited. It's basically shotgun, quick pass. That's pretty much all they can do. And you just can't function that way. Joe Burrow is best when he can read the field, move around, extend plays, and and they're just a shell of themselves right now offensively. This capped off the crap Sunday in the AFC North, where when you look <laughs> at it, the Steelers score six, the Browns score three, and the Bengals score three. And then obviously the Baltimore Ravens win the game with 28. Just a horrible day in the division. I mentioned that at the top of the show. But the Titans, I don't know what to make of them either. Like Cincinnati, we know the expectations were here. And now they're way down here. They're not living yeah. up to those expectations. But the Titans, they're equally up and down the roller coaster ride. You know, like you mentioned, only putting up 90 yards last week in Cleveland, and then they go and hang 27 on Cincinnati. Mike Vrabel's team, I have no idea how to gauge what they're going to do from week a week by week basis. When they can run the ball, they're just a completely different offense. And Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 122 yards in this one. Had a touchdown, also threw a touchdown on a nice little uh, goal line play. When they can run the ball, they look functional and they look, hey, like they can, you know, win some games. When they can't, they just look completely hideously awful. So that's the variance you're going to see with Tennessee. By the way, one more stat I want to sneak in. Cincinnati has not scored a touchdown in the first half this year. we're, We're a quarter of the way through the season, okay? And I know that Burrow's been hurt. 
but they are one of two teams to own, to not have a first half touchdown this year. The first Giants half, are the other not one. first quarter, first half, first half. Oh right. My gosh, that's and this is like an offense that's loaded with playmakers. Yeah, that. Oof. Thought it was bad being a Steeler fan. It's got to be bad to be a Bengals. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to another AFC game. AFC West. The Las Vegas Raiders trying to bounce back after their Sunday night loss to Pittsburgh. The Chargers coming off their first win. Justin Herbert, I don't know. He he earns every penny of his contract, <laughs> bailing out his freaking head coach. I swear. And it's every week. It's every week. And I know that Brandon Staley's probably an analytics guy, but some of the times like, we talk about being aggressive. Sometimes there's there's a difference between aggressive and dumb. And he definitely walks that line very I mean, the, the third down bomb was unbelievable for the Chargers. This was a again a game that I didn't think was going to be that competitive. 24 to 17 final score. The Chargers find a way to win. Maybe they're riding the ship. I don't know. The, the Chargers are just that weird. They, they're kind of like that uh that team that it's tough to figure out. You don't know what you're going to get from a week in and week out basis, but I do know Justin Herbert's a hell of a quarterback. I just feel like the Chargers are they don't have belief. They don't have conviction that they're going to win at the end of the game. Now, I know they did win this one, but I mean, they scored 24 points in the first half and then did not score a point in the second half. And I give credit to Brandon Staley for one thing. He sticks to his guns, man. Yep. He makes the right call. He makes a decision that he thinks is right at the time and he doesn't care about the criticism. He doesn't care about any of that. Now, it ultimately worked out for them in this game, but it was thanks to an interception at the end of the game. So if, if you don't know, it's 24, 17 chargers in the fourth quarter, they have a fourth and one at their own 34 yard line with about three and a half minutes left in the game. And they try the quarterback sneak. It doesn't work. Justin Herbert gets stuffed. So it's a one score game. The Raiders get the ball back at the chargers 34 yard line. And luckily for the chargers, they get an interception by Asante Samuel and they can ice the game from that point on. But that that was the situation. But Brandon Staley, man, he's just like, nope, this is what I'm doing. And I give him credit for that. But I'll tell you one thing. Brandon Staley would have gone for two if he had scored the game-tying touchdown with a second <laughs> left. I'll tell you that. There is no even debating that. Like there, There's not even a question in my mind that, that Brandon Staley would have even thought about it. It was just... Hey, let's go. Like it, it would have gone. So, like you said, I that's a really good point on your on your part. At least Brandon Staley sticks to his guns. He's not going to change who he is. It's how he coaches, and I'm sure his players know that too. I'm sure that that even fourth and one on your own end, where if you punt the ball away and force the Raiders to drive the length of the field, they probably know. Hey, coach is going to go for this. Like we're going to roll the dice, and they just yep. didn't execute. So, hey, exactly. in that respect, yeah. The Raiders, on the other hand, were without Jimmy G, your boy. And it's one of those situations where they, they threw out Aiden O'Connell, the rookie. What were your thoughts on the rookie's first game in the NFL? I thought he played like a rookie. You know, some good, some bad. I mean, his Josh Jacobs had eight catches that tied for the most of anybody on the Raiders. Devontae Adams also had eight. But then nobody else had more than two for the Raiders. So he basically, he, Devontae Adams or check it down. You know, and that almost was good enough to win. He did turn the ball over once on an interception. Seven sacks in the game. How do we not mention? Khalil Mack had six sacks. He almost tied the record Jeez. by Derek Thomas. If you have six sacks by one player, you should win by more than one score if you're the Chargers. I'm just just saying. 
I feel like the, the like the stats stuff like it, it always could go against the Chargers. Like it, that's just charge. That's part of be, being a Charger and chargering yep. is that you have a player that has six sacks and yet you're clinging to dear life at the end of regulation. You have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen who go absolutely berserk and yet you're still clinging to life at the end of regulation. It just seems like a week in and week out thing. But the Chargers win. They needed that win to yes. keep pace and stay relevant in the AFC West. We'll talk about that other team that played on Sunday night, but let's go to, again, I mentioned this at the top of the show. There are some coaches that feel like they can still win, like it's 2003, and one of those is Bill Belichick, and the I'm just going to have a good defense, and we're going to just run the ball, and Mac Jones, no, no, and no. The Cowboys blow their doors off 38-3. to Bailey Zappi took over a quarterback for Mac Jones. Uh it's 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 getting ugly up there in New England. I don't really know what to think about this game. The Cowboys they handle their business thirty eight to three. Dak Prescott does what he needs to do. What's your takeaway from this one? I really thought that with Bill O'Brien coming to New England and what we saw from Mac Jones as a rookie, like hey, he's going to get back to that guy. It's going to stabilize things in New England, and they'll they'll be okay. And Mac Jones just makes some of the dumbest plays he threw a pick six in this game he's just late and he's throwing back over the mid or back across his body it's like what are you doing mac jones you should not be making these types of throws at this point in your career it's bad i know the personnel around him is not great i get that right when hunter henry is like your you know your biggest threat as a receiver there that's not a good look but you can't turn the ball over the way Mac Jones has two more interceptions in this one, just 12 of 21 in the game. And you just saw the Cardinals perforate this Cowboy defense. Like you couldn't replicate any of that. If you're New England, just a bad, bad performance and credit the Cowboys handling their business coming off of a bad loss to Arizona, dropping almost 40 on New England. Good for them. But to me, this game says more about the Patriots than the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, if they're that team that everyone's like, well, I'm sure they'll be competitive. They're bordering, are they going to be competitive? You're bouncing back and forth with quarterbacks, and Bill Belichick can say whatever he wants. Uh, you know, Mac Jones is star quarterback. I'm sorry, you yank your guy, and then you go to Bailey Zappi. That says everything that any fan would ever want to know about how you feel about your starting quarterback. You can go back to him next week, but when you pull the plug on him and he played crappy, you mentioned some of those stats and some of the throws are just mind numbingly bad. You can't, you do this dance. It's never going to end. Well, it's never going to end. Well, the quarterbacks are an ego driven position. And if you start to break their confidence, even if they don't have a lot of confidence in themselves, that's going to be a problem. New England has major problems coming up. I honestly don't know what to think about bill Belichick anymore. What do you think? Well, I don't think Bill Belichick forgot how to coach, but he's in a position now where Bill Belichick, the GM, can't get bailed out by Bill Belichick, the head coach. When you have Tom Brady there, it doesn't matter yeah. if your skill players stink. It doesn't matter if you don't make the best draft picks because Brady is so good, he can overcome that. They don't have that anymore. And something happened with the Patriots and Mac Jones because don't forget, there were rumors in April that they were shopping him, that they wanted to get rid of him. True. And I don't know what it was, but clearly there's just some sort of disconnect there where they're just not all in on this guy. And if your head coach is not all in on your starting quarterback, it's never, ever, ever going to work. And I think the Patriots could be headed toward their highest draft pick in a long, long time. 
All right, let's turn the page to your team, the San Francisco 49ers beating the Arizona Cardinals. You just mentioned the Cardinals coming off of that big upset win over the Cowboys. 49ers were having none of it, or should I say Christian McCaffrey was having none of it as he essentially did it all himself. I think I checked the stat line at one point. He had four touchdowns. I was like, damn, he's been their entire offense. Uh, Brock Purdy made plays. Kudos to him. The Cardinals cannot duplicate the success they had the week prior. The 49ers handle their business. 35-16 to 16 final score. You're the Niners guy. What do you think about your team? I write grades after every week. And Brock Purdy threw one incomplete pass in the game. And he did not get the highest grade from me. Because Christian McCaffrey is a football machine designed only for scoring touchdowns. I mean, four touchdowns in the game. First 49er ever to score the Niners' first four touchdowns in a game. 13 straight games for Christian McCaffrey with a touchdown. If you include the playoffs, that's a 49ers record. He's the perfect player for Kyle Shanahan. There is not a better match in terms of running back and head coach than Christian McCaffrey with Kyle Shanahan. It's absurd right now what the 49ers are doing. Seven straight regular season games with 30 points. That hasn't been done in a decade since Peyton Manning's Broncos did it. This this team, like you can call me a homer if you want to. Nobody has looked better than the 49ers through the first quarter of the season. In all, in every single week, nobody has looked better than the 49ers you're not going to hit you. There's no rebuttal for me because I, honestly, who would you have said last week? Like you would have said, Oh, Miami, what do they do? You know, they have a stinker against Buffalo Yep. right now. The cream of the crop is the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not a Homer. I'm not a 49ers fan. Obviously they're the cream of the crop right now. Can things change? Absolutely. An yes. injury to Christian McCaffrey, who has had, had his struggle staying healthy, that could certainly change things. But when you look at Philadelphia, barely clinging to life against the Washington Commanders, it shows you there's some kinks in the armor. When you look at the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals a week prior, the 49ers haven't had those moments. And so, therefore, that's why I'm going to say they're the best team in the National Football League right now. And that's yeah. over the Kansas City Chiefs, because I watched a lot of that game last night. We'll get to that in a second. And there's issues there as well. The 49ers are well-coached. They know how to run that scheme to perfection. And it's amazing how they don't have this wide array of players that do it. It's literally just your staple guys. It's Christian McCaffrey. It's Brandon Ayuk. It's Debo Samuel. Just do your job. They do that job very well, mind you. Debo and George Kittle combined for one touch in the game for 12 yards. And it didn't matter at all. The 49ers still put up 35 points. That's this offense right now when you have two all pros who can have one touch in the game and you still score 35 points that's absurd that's an embarrassment of riches right now and that's why the 49ers have won 13 straight regular season games yeah they, it's I, i'm excited to watch this team down the stretch and see if they can keep this up it, they're, they're setting a really high bar and that's and that's game. It, it, next what's, week. who they have Southern coming up football cowboys niners oh that's that's what I like to see on prime. Time. I will be That's in what I like my stadium for that one, by the way. I can't wait. It's my first 49ers game, first NFL game that I've ever gone to in my life. I cannot wait. I'm I'm geeking out about it already. You've never been to an NFL game before? No, this, never been. This, this is awesome. I'm, I'm happy for it. I can't wait to hear about it. You're not going to be on the show next week, but that's fine. You have a valid excuse. I, when you get back, we're going to have that talk on this fans first football show. But let's finish this out with the Sunday night game this week which I, man, I hate how these games like somehow end. And there's always this shroud of like, I just, I don't even want to say it. I don't want to say the word fixed or anything like that. 
But man, it is tough to defend when you see some of these plays happening and you're like, gosh, that seems like the NFL kind of is trying to make sure the Chiefs win this football game. Because Lord knows we know that Taylor Swift was in the crowd. Lord knows that they're trying to find a way for the Jets to when Aaron Rodgers goes down to week one, all of a sudden they're like, Oh my gosh, we got chief jets. Like that's Zach Wilson. Like that's not it. That's not what we want as a primetime matchup. The chiefs end up winning 23 to 20, but I didn't get a good feeling after this game. Like after this game, I'm left and you see the clips on Twitter all over the place of these blatant holding calls that just were not made. The, the, the bad call on sauce Gardner, uh, where the receiver kind of runs into him. And that's what he said after the game. He said, the guy has been running into me all night. I'm just trying to let him go. And there you're calling me on that. I, I, Robert, uh, Robert Salah has every reason to be pissed off about that. Zach Wilson actually played a better game. It wasn't great. He, his fumble was obviously a critical juncture of the game. What, what's your takeaway, Rob? It's just an NFL fan. Do you feel to see the same way I do? Or am I a little bit too much of a conspiracy theorist? I don't look, I don't want to say it's a conspiracy, but I'll say that for, for, if you don't know, if you didn't stay up to watch it, so the Chiefs are up 23 to 20 in the game. There's six minutes and 20 seconds left. The Chiefs have a third and 23 at their 40-yard line. And Mahomes drops back to pass. And there is a hold by the Chiefs offensive lineman that is so bad during the play, the defender for the Jets is waving his arm because he's getting held. He's hitting the offensive lineman on the head because it's such a blatant hold. It is not called Mahomes scrambles for the first down 25 yards and they end up calling a penalty on the Jets on the same play. It was egregiously, hideously, hideously bad. And then later in the drive, it's third and 20 with four and a half minutes left. And this is the play you reference. Mahomes drops back, throws a pick and they call a penalty on Sauce Gardner for defensive holding that was at best a ticky tack penalty at best. It's just ex- extremely frustrating because you know, look, how much did we hear about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift all week from, from NFL media, from national media? There were freaking, I saw a headline from CBS that said something like some fish was caught off the coast of some island somewhere. And it was like, oh yeah, the fish was the same size as Travis Kelsey, who's rumored to be dating Taylor Swift. Like people are <laughs> jamming. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey into any headline they want because it's been such a huge story. And Taylor Swift is obviously a massive, massive star. And it, if I were a Jet fan, it's like, well, you, know, you can't help but wonder if maybe the NFL is, let's just say, they're not unhappy that the Chiefs won this game and that they keep showing Taylor Swift every other play in the friggin' booth. I would be very frustrated if I was a Jets fan. Extremely frustrated. Yeah, I do tend to put on my tinfoil hat sometimes. And this would be one of those situations where after the game, you're just kind of like, man, I'm not saying there's a script. I'm not going down that path. But <laughs> there are times where I do feel like like the officials get buzzered. Like, hey, let that one go. Let, let that one go. Let, let's pick that one up. It, it just feels like that. I hate it. I hate it. Two more points I want to make. Sure. One, I hate when people say, oh, officials should keep the flags in their pocket and they shouldn't decide the game. Well, guess what? Like, not calling that hold doesn't decide the game, but it's a huge factor in the game. So I'm never a proponent of at the most critical point in the game, officials can just allow blatant cheating. I hate that. And the other thing I'll say is, and it just we see this so many times with the Chiefs. When you play Kansas City, you have to be perfect. You have yeah. to be perfect to win the game. And you mentioned it. 
Zach Wilson just with an absolute crusher of a fumble. It's 23-20. The Jets are driving. They're starting to get a little momentum. They're at the 40, the Chiefs 49-yard line. They're in Chiefs territory. And Zach Wilson just takes his eye off the ball just for a second on a shotgun snap. The ball bounces off his leg. Chiefs recover. And that was it. That's the end of it. You have to be perfect when you play Kansas City. One last thought on the officials. I don't know if you're a hockey fan or not, but in, in hockey, especially in the playoffs, in the final like three minutes of regulation, they're like, oh, the, the officials have put the whistles away. And they won't call anything. You could stab a player with a hockey stick or a skate, and they're not going to call anything. You can't. I, I hate it. I hate it because a penalty is a penalty. doesn't matter when it happens. Yes. It doesn't matter who it happens to. A penalty is a penalty. And that's what your job is as an official is to call those penalties and to keep the game being played in a clean and honest fashion. I hate that thought of, oh, well, you know, you just got to keep the flags away. For what? That's like saying just don't do your job because it's the end of the workday. Like you just don't do that. <laughs> or if you're going to do that, if that's your policy, okay, then how are you calling Sauce Gardner for that exactly. flag? The interception, like at least be consistent. If you're not going to call anything, you can't call Sauce Gardner for that ticky-tack call when the Chiefs are blatantly holding Jets defenders, you know, pass rushers. Like, just be consistent both ways. Yeah. The Red Sea parts, and all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is running 30 yards down the field untouched. <laughs> I'm going to take my uh, tinfoil hat off now and put it to the side. Mm -hmm. It's been a good show. It's been a great show. Rob, you're not going to be on the show next week because you're going to be at the game. I just learned that myself. That's freaking awesome, dude. I'm really happy for you. I'm excited. You, I know you're excited. You're probably geeked out of your mind. So we'll be looking forward to hearing back from you on everything in a couple of weeks. But Rob, tell everyone where they can find your stuff with the 49ers as well as where they can find you on socials. So I'm on all the socials at Stats on Fire and you can find all my work and the team's work on the 49ers, the gold standard podcast network. We have a YouTube channel. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found. We have a website, goldstandardniners.com. Like I said, I put the grades up every Monday. They're already up waiting for you. If you are so inclined, please check us out. Absolutely. You can find my work at the Steel Curtain Network following the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can check us out just by searching Steelers or Steel Curtain Network. You can check us out at steelcurtainnetwork.com. Find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. All right, that's a wrap. Week four, almost in the books. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Rob, thanks for your time. Enjoy the game next week. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>